So let's let's review just for a few minutes. Uh, we're moving into chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians this morning. And this we've spent a number of weeks talking about 1 Corinthians 13, this, this great call of the Christian to live a life of love. It's, it's been, uh, I pray for you, a, a wonderful journey. We've been digging into this. And what we're seeing is that really the foundation of the Christian church is to be built on the love of God and the love for one another. Now, now we, we see this, for, and we just sang some beautiful songs about God's love for us. I mean, we all know John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son, so whoever believes in Him shall not perish. The first great act of love on this fallen and darkened world was that God sent His only begotten Son so that we might be saved. And what I want you to see in this, brothers and sisters, we've been talking about this list of 14 attributes, our verbs, their actions, their do's and do nots, and God is a, is a, His love is that love of action. It's not like God is sitting in heaven saying, oh, I'm, I just love you so much. I'm just so happy with you. No, he's, he's engaged in delivering us from slavery to sin. He's engaged in sanctifying us. He's engaged in making us into the men and women that he wants us to be. It's an act of love. He's not sitting still. He's working constantly to make us into the men and women of God he wants us to be. And, and so we saw this great call of love. In fact, I love this list. I've Pastor Tyler taught on this, but he says, let me just give you a, a picture of how important this is. He says, you may have the gift of tongues of men and of angels. You may have this great gift from God of speaking in, in, in the, the language of men and the language of God. But if you don't have love, it's meaningless before the holy throne of grace. And the second thing he said, it says that if, if you have the gift of, of prophecy and the gift of, of mysteries of knowledge and of faith that moves mountains, but if you don't have love, it means nothing to God. And the third thing, he says, if you have the gift of generosity and you give everything that you have to the poor... And then even offering your body up to be burned at the stake as a martyr and don't have love. He goes, even that is meaningless before the God of grace. Do you see how important love is? It's a big deal. And then we work through those 14 attributes of how we have to live this love out in practical ways. What are those? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love, they get it here? Do, love does not envy. It's not jealous. Love is not proud. It does not boast. Love does not keep record of wrongs against others. Love, love is not self-focused. It's sacrificial. Love does not dishonor their brothers and sisters talking behind their backs and gossiping. Love protects, love hopes, love perseveres. That's the list. So my question is, what are you doing with the list? Did you sit here that Sunday and say that was interesting? Are you, are you living differently right now? We're moving on now to chapter 14. We're, we're moving on from there. Are you acting? Are you purposely got a plan to start living out the love of God more actively in the body of Christ and within your circles. You, you got you to do something. You, if you don't have a plan, it's, your life's not going to change. Sanctification is taking the word of God, digesting it, and then living differently. 
It's a process. I love Wednesday night. I don't see him here this morning. But there was a brother Wednesday night. And in our small group, he said, you know, I've taken this very seriously. And right now I'm working on the first two. Love is kind and love is patient. He's living at the mission. And daily he's trying to live his life differently with those two attributes of love within the body of of the people that he lives with. He goes, I'm finding it difficult. He goes, but he, he also saying it was, it was getting easier. You know, he, it, he's, every day he's just going to keep doing it. He's getting some pushback, right? But he's going to continue to pursue the love that God wants him to pursue. So what's on your list? What attributes of love are you working on? You got a sticky note on your mirror in your car. Is there, is there something you're actively working on right now to become more in line with the love of God? And here's the thing, at the end of the day, do an inventory. How did I do? Did I, did I live out this love better today than I did yesterday? And here's the beautiful thing. You might start with the first few attributes, or you might start at the end, wherever's more applicable to you. But as you practice those for 30 or 40 days, all of a sudden you're going to find it just becoming part of who you are. And then you go on to a few more. And all of a sudden you'll be living this, this beautiful life of love within the community of God and to the lost world, which is one of of our greatest testimonies. Okay? Got it? And I would just, I love this verse Pastor Tyler taught on this last week. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, when I became a woman, I started living differently. And one of the ways we need to live differently is by putting on the love of God. Okay, we'll move on to the next scripture in 14. Uh, Let me just set this up a little bit with you. Uh, This is very straightforward scripture. It doesn't need a lot of exegetical work. You can read this and anybody can understand this. So we're going to work through a big chunk of scripture because it's so easy and straightforward for everybody. And uh, we'll do some application from that. But what he's doing now, he's switching, you know, the the church in Corinth was totally out of alignment with God's will. They were focused on specifically speaking in tongues as the greatest gift. They've lost their love within the community, which he's already addressed. And now he's going back to talk about building the church up through the word of God. How do we build the church up? And that's what we'll be talking about this morning. So if you open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and we're going to Lord willing, work our way through 19 verses today, which is a lot for us, but you'll see it's pretty straightforward. And if you please look at that and then open your um, stand for the reading of God's word, Bobby's going to open the word for us this morning. You might need your Bibles because you probably can't read this PowerPoint, so... Lessons to you this morning. Amen. Word of God is coming out of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 through 19. Pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. The one who speaks in the tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters the mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, 
that there are ability and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge of prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments, such as the flute or harp, do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestation of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in, a, speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Amen. 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 Have a blessing for the reading of his word. Amen, brother. Thank you, Bobby. going to work through this in three parts. First is one through five, and, and he starts off here, pursue love. And really, he's, he's just summarizing everything he taught in 13. He says, just so you know, pursue love. That means be determined, go after it, live it, choose these 14 attributes and start living them out practically in your life, which we just talked about. So pursue love. But see, now he wants to balance this truth because he's been, he's been kind of rebuking them uh, severely about their spiritual gifts, but now he goes back and says, and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. You see that? He's saying, I'm not saying spiritual gifts are bad, they're a good thing. You, you just have been living out of balance. He said, everyone should know what their spiritual gift is. Everyone should pursue their spiritual gift. Everyone should utilize their spiritual gift. He's bringing them back to building up the church with the proper balance, with the foundation being love. And so we, we know that, as we've already studied, the importance of spiritual gifts, because he's already taught us that our spiritual gifts have been given to us and empowered by the very Spirit of God. We're called to ministry, utilizing gifts by the very Son of God. 
and the outcomes of our spiritual gifts in ministry is determined by the very Father, God the Father. Do you see that? So it's God the Spirit, God the Son, God the Father. They're all involved in our spiritual gifting and utilizing them and determining the outcome as we faithfully serve within the body of Christ. Amen? So he said, go ahead and desire those. Find out what your gift is and start putting it to practice within the church. And then he says, especially that you may prophesy. Do you see that? Especially that may prophesy. So what is prophecy? We've got to talk about that for a couple minutes. We'll make sure we got the right understanding. So there were Old Testament prophets, right? Now, Old Testament prophets, I mean, they were called by God to speak to the people on behalf of God. And so they, they, were, they were empowered by the Holy Spirit to, dev- to share a dev- divine message of God with the people. And there was two types of messages. There's foretelling foretelling, which means the people had not heard this before. This was a new revel of get, revelation of God being given to the people by the prophet. Foretelling. Are you with me? But a lot of the work of the Old Testament prophets were forthtelling. Forthtelling is, he, he was reminding them what the Word of God said. He, he was using the Word of God that they already had, that most of the people had forgotten to edify them, to build them up, many times to rebuke them, and much of the prophecy that we see in the Old Testament was predicting the coming of the Messiah. Over 350 specific prophecies that the prophets proclaimed were dealing with Jesus coming to earth and to be the, the Savior of the world. So those were Old Testament prophets. That was their role to foretell and foretell the divine message of God. And then we have New Testament prophets, namely John the Baptist, the last prophet. Now what did he do? He did the same thing. He did a lot of foretelling and forthtelling the divine message of God. He was preparing the people for the coming of the Messiah and he was calling them to repent. Thank you, Deanna. Repent to get them ready for the coming of the Messiah. Now the capital P prophet was Jesus himself, the prophet. Then after that we had this dispensation, the season of apostles. Are you all with me still? So we had the season of apostles, capital A apostles, these special selected messengers of, of Jesus Christ to build the church. Now they, they and remember what he said, it's better that I go to be with my father so that I can send the Holy Spirit. And what does the Holy Spirit do? Remind you of everything that I've taught you, right? So he said, it's better I go so the Holy Spirit will come and he will remind you everything I taught you during my ministry with you and you will basically be used by me to build up the finished complete word of God and by the way we see that the apostles did forth telling and foretelling Tyler's teaching pastor Tyler's teaching on revelation that obviously is a foretelling that was a divine message given by God to the apostle John when he was on the island of Patmos and it was a divine message that God gave him to to share with the people in revelation so that was that dispensation. And as the apostles died, I just want you to get this with prophecy, the foretelling died with the apostles. Are you with me? So then became the age of the church, which we're living in now, where you have pastors and elders, and there's no longer any forth foretelling. There's only forthtelling the word of God because the word of God is finished. It is complete. There's no new books coming to us from God. 
So now the job of pastors and elders and teachers is to forth to proclaim the existing word of God to help you understand this so that you can live the life that God wants you to live. So if anybody's telling you they've got a new prophecy from God, it's a lie. And in the Old Testament, if somebody brought a false proclamation of prophecy, they were stoned. It's a serious matter to be saying that you have a new revelation from the God of the universe and God takes it very seriously. Read the end of Revelation if you don't believe me what he says happens to those that bring new prophecy. We have it all right here now. This is, this is our guidebook for every Christian all the way to the return of Christ, to the new kingdom and the new earth. So that's prophecy. So when Paul said it's better to speak a word of prophecy in the church of Corinth, it's a little different than when we say it now because there was still some foretelling and forthtelling, but for us it specifically means what? Forthtelling, proclaiming the word of God. That's what the job is of pastors, elders, teachers in, in our day. Okay, you got all that. So especially that you may prophesy. Now he goes in to give this illustration. Look what he says next. He says, for, for one who speaks in, in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit, capital S, Spirit. Now, we've talked about this before. I'm just going to talk about it briefly again. The theologians don't agree about speaking in tongues and what exactly it means. We've talked about this earlier on in, in the book of 1 Corinthians. Some would say that, as, as it says in that verse that we just talked about, that it says that if you, if you have the gift of tongues of men and of angels, do you see that? Some would say that the gift of tongues was to be able to speak foreign languages, which would have been very important in the city of Corinth because there was people from all nations to be able to speak different languages. But he also says to speak tongues of men and of angels. So others would say it's all, there's also a heavenly language that these, these men would speak to speak directly into the, into the heavenly realms. And one of the verses they use is this one, for one who speaks in tongues speaks not to men, so that wouldn't be foreign languages, but to God, for no one understands him, no people can understand him, but what he utters, the mysteries and the spirit, it's something going on between him and, and God. Regardless of what you believe, the context we're going to talk about still applies, whether it's speaking foreign languages or speaking in a heavenly language. And some believe it's both, by the way. But I want you to picture this. I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but someone is standing. The whole context of this teaching is within the church. Someone stands up and starts, let's just say they're speaking a foreign language or they're speaking this heavenly language and no one understands them. Are you with me? What would result in that? Thank you. Confused. We'd all be going, what? What are you going to do with that? Not much. And that's why they said if anybody speaks in tongues, you must have an interpreter there. Because the whole church is going, what are we doing here? I don't know what this guy's talking about. I'm getting nothing out of this. Right? So, so that's what he's saying is that so if someone speaks this, there, there's no edification. I'm going to give you a personal illustration of my life where I attended a, a men's ministry conference where everybody was speaking in tongues. He says, so he says, that's one picture. He says, on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding encouragement and consolation. Do you see that? He says, you're in the church context. 
This, all this tongue-speaking stuff is getting us nowhere. If someone comes here and they can proclaim the Word of God, the living Word of God, which edifies, which means builds us up, it, it consoles us, it encourages us, it equips us, and all the things we know the Word of God does, that is the purpose of the gathering of the body of Christ. Right? He's making the comparison. It's more significant. It's more important. It, it, it helps build the church. Stop all your babbling. You okay with that? Okay. It's the word of God. It's not my word. You know, I was just thinking about the, the power of the word of God, and that's really what the main message is today, is the power of the word of God, the importance of the word of God, how we all need the word of God is what we're going to be talking about. But just this uh, past two, no, it was two Wednesdays ago, again, in our Bible study with the men at our table, a brother came, he's not here today, but he, the, not, this is a different brother than the one I shared earlier, but this brother came and we were going through the 14 attributes of love and he stopped our small group and said, listen, I just had a bad couple of days. I had a rough couple of days where I almost fell back into sin. And he said, but going through this list is exactly what I needed to get me back on the narrow road. See, that, that's the power of the word of God. He said, this is exactly what I needed. See, the word of God kept him from going back into depravity. Kept him from engaging back in his sinful lifestyle. He was that discouraged. And that, that's, just, that's what the word of God does. That's what Paul is trying to teach us, the importance of the word of God within the church. Then he says in verse 4, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Do you see that? So he, he's not saying, let, let's just use the context of private prayer life. So let's say these people were standing up since no one else could understand them and they're praying to God in whatever language they were praying to God in. And that builds us up, does it not? Our private prayer life. He says here, it, it, it's great you've got this intimate relationship with God and you're praying to God, you're in a church setting, but the point is you're not in a church corporate setting to be taking up time to build yourself up. We're supposed to be building one another up. Are you with me on this? So that's what he's trying to say to him. He says, you know, that's great, and we should all have a private prayer life, amen, where, where we do get built up, where we do pray up, where we do get ready for the battlefield. We all need to be doing that every day and throughout the day. And that's how we build ourselves up for the battlefield. But when we come to church, we're supposed to be building one another up through the Word of God. And he confirms them. Now I want you all to speak in tongues. You see that? And I'm just going to translate it into what I believe. I do want you all to have a private prayer life. But even more to prophesy. Even more to share the word of God. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. Unless someone interprets, he gives that clause. If someone is speaking in a even if lifeless instruments such as flute or the harp do not to play whatever without interpretation. To watch out for enemies approaching in the horizon. And when the enemies were approaching, they had to play the bugle so the whole town would wake up and get ready for the oncoming battle. He says, how, 
how would it be if that person doesn't play the right note? No one will know to be ready. Because that's the same picture of someone standing up in the church and, and speaking in tongues that no one understands. Still got nothing on that. But, so, but the point is it can be very frustrating when you're trying to communicate with people who don't speak another language. And Paul said, that is the same as those speaking in tongues within the congregation. So with yourself, since you are eager for manifestation of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Do you see that? And his point again, it's very simple. To be people of the Word of God. To be people of the Word of God. That's how we build up the church. Part three. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret. And and what he's telling us, brothers and sisters, which is called out clearly in the Word of God, no one should speak in a tongue within a congregation without someone to interpret. Period. Period. I was in this, I was telling this men's group I was in, I was asked to come out and lead a group of men at another church. I didn't know the church. I knew the pastor. And they asked me to come out and lead a, uh, some teaching. This is 25 years ago in, in discipleship, to do some discipleship teaching. And I had three, three lessons, you know, throughout the weekend. And, and then at the end he said, can we have some corporate prayer time? I said, that'd be wonderful. And there's, I don't know how many men there. And I met a lot of the men, seemed like the real deal to me, and not saying they weren't. But let's have corporate prayer time. And then they all stood up and started praying in tongues. And it sounded like I did earlier. And they were all doing different things and saying different things. And so I just sat down and started praying in English. Because that's the only language I know. <laughs> Quietly and a little bit maybe loudly uh, points to make a point. Um, because there was no edification in that. There was no, there was no unity in that. There was no, no, no bonding or fellowship in that, in that babbling. And don't get me wrong, I'm not judging them. I don't know if there are those heavenly languages. The Bible talks about them. I'm not saying there are or there aren't. But certainly the Bible says you should not be speaking them without interpretation because there was no benefit in that group of men babbling for seemed like an eternity to me. So, so you should... Uh, Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may inter- that he may interpret. For for I, if I pray in in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? Do you see that? And and that's kind of the feeling I had at this men's retreat. They were just just letting the stuff come out of them without any really deliberation. In fact. See, they, they, they couldn't interpret their own language, so there's no mind in that because they don't even know what they were praying. Does that make sense? So he says, well, you're just praying, and it's unfruitful because the Spirit's praying, but my mind is not engaged in the process of prayer. And then Paul says this, I pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. Amen? I mean, remember when Jesus was asked, how should we pray? And what did, he, what did he give them? He gave them the Lord's Prayer that we all know, amen? And so look at, I mean, the, the, look at the mind engagement here. The prayer starts off that we all know, Our Father who art in heaven, 
holy be thy name. Holy be thy name. So he says the first thing you do with your mind is you start to praise God when you pray. You worship God. Holy, righteous God. The God of the universe. The creator of all that is seen and unseen. The the God who loved us so much that his son, we praise you and worship you today. Right? We engage our mind in praise and worship. What's the next part of the prayer? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's that a prayer for? Sanctify me. Make me the ambassador of Jesus Christ. I, I, thy kingdom that is in heaven come to earth. Thy will that is in heaven come to earth through me as a safe, saved follower of Christ. That's the mind engaging. Help me become the man of God you want me to be. What comes after that? Give us our... Come on now. We all know the Lord's Prayer. Give us our day, our daily bread. Lord, I, 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 here it is. I realize that you're the provider of all things. You're the one that gives me clothes. You're the one that gives me food. You're the one that gives me water. Oh, Lord, thank you. Give me what I need today. You are sovereign over all things. Hey, what's the next part? Okay, very good. Forget, let's, let's get into our language. Forgive me for my sins as I forgive those who sin against me. Right? So we need, we need a time of confession and repentance in there. Do you see that? We also need to be forgiving of others. We need God to forgive us and we need to forgive others because we don't want to be ones that keep a record of wrongs. Confess and repent. Have a clean slate. Don't walk around with unconfessed sin. So forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And what? The temptation. Oh, this is so good. Yeah, so the other thing is, Lord, I need your protection today. I'm living in a fallen world. Protect me from the evil one. Protect me from my flesh. Protect me from this fallen world, our three enemies, the devil, our flesh, and the world system. Protect me today. But my point is, is we engage our mind. That's a, that's a fruitful prayer versus Right? I feel like I'm in an auction. <laughs> Steve, or I hope not, unless you're going to interpret for me. And so we, we pray with our, with our minds. It says, I, also, I will sing praise with my spirit, but I also will sing with my mind. Isn't that a good thing? That we sing with our hearts and with our minds. By the way, I, if, um, if someone doesn't engage in prayer in their life, this is just a application point. If someone's not praying throughout their day and someone doesn't sing to the Lord, what would you say the problem is? Love. I like that, Ann. I would say people that don't pray throughout the day and don't sing praises to God don't know God. Because if you know God, you can't help but pray throughout your day. You know He's all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-present. You know you need Him every moment of every day. And if you're not praying throughout your day, you don't know God. And you know what? You should not be able to help but sing. If you know God, you can't, amen? amen? Am I, we can't help but sing. And I look out and I see tears rolling down people. We can't help but sing because we know God. I've got a little headset I wear when I cut my grass and sometimes people come by and I'm just, boy, he must really hate to cut the grass. I said, no, I'm having a good time, man. I'm in a deep season of worship out here as I'm cutting the grass.
And then he continues, we're, we're almost at the end. He says, otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, I'm not questioning that, but the other person is not being built up because he has no idea what you're thanking God about, right? And amen's, amen just means, I, you know what amen means, right? When we say amen, I agree. I agree with what was saying. I agree with what was said. I agree with what was prayed. I'm with you on that. We're one on that. That's what amen means. And he said, I, how can anybody say amen if they don't know what you're saying? We can't agree with a prayer we don't understand. We can't agree with a song that we don't understand. And then I think he blew him away with this one. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. They probably, all these prideful Corinthians probably said, what? So you're, you're actually better at this whole thing than we are? He goes, oh yeah. And you didn't know it, did you? You know why you didn't know it? Because it doesn't have a place in the church. I do that in my private prayer time. I'm not boasting. I'm just telling you, you need to follow my example, the Apostle Paul, and quit babbling during church service and take it into your own prayer closet because it has no place in the church, just like I don't bring it to the church. That's the way I interpret that. It's not edifying. It's not building up. It's not instructing the church. So let's close out here with a few applications. Uh, by the way, you probably, maybe you do or don't know this, there are still churches today in our culture that believe strongly in speaking in tongues. Did you know that? There are churches that teach, you're, some churches teach you're not really truly saved unless you speak in tongues. Others would say you might be saved, but you're at a lower level and you're not truly at the high level of Christianity unless you speak in tongues. Those churches exist. But the burden of my heart this past week is that I think we have a bigger problem than speaking in tongues in the church. That, that ties in with the application from this verse. I, I don't think the church appreciates the Word of God. I think in general the church today does not appreciate the Word of God. The churches have watered down and dumbed down the Word of God. You know what they do? They talk about social justice. They show video clips that are entertaining. They, they have jokes and humors and stories in their, in their sermons. It's a very, everybody laughs and they all walk out, God bless you, but th- there is not the focus, the concentration, the seriousness of the Word of God. If you don't believe me, just go watch some sermons on television. It's about prosperity. You haven't reached your potential and on and on. All these feel-good, ear-tickling messages. I think that's the problem in the church today. It's not speaking in tongues. It's that the church has lost its first love. See, people are coming to church for self. They're not coming for the Savior in those church settings. They want to come and, and be encouraged and patted on the back and tell them, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be, prosper, you're going to be prosperous and all these other things they want to tell the people so they come back Sunday after Sunday. What people need to hear, is, as my brother Al says, the unfiltered, last week was unvarnished, word of God. That's what the church needs today. And praise God, if you come here, that's all you're ever going to get. Amen. 
So with that, let's pray, and then we'll have communion. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you. Five words of Scripture are worth more than 10,000 words of gibberish, of worldliness, of entertainment, of video clips, of humor. May we always be a church that brings reverent and authority through your word of God to the body of Christ. That's where the power is. The power is not in Pastor Tyler's words. The power is not in Pastor Keith's words. The power is in your word and your word only. I pray for this church. I pray that, that I know there's some people here that watch more TV in one night than they read the word all week. Help them to break free from the world and start focusing on the word of God. It is our, it is our life. It's what transforms us and makes us into men and women of God. We need to be, Father. Please help us. Help us to delight in your word, to desire your word, to live in your word, to meditate on your word, to memorize your word, to share your word. We need you, Father. We need your word. I pray that for my beloved Oasis family today and for myself, in Jesus' name, amen.